words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I wonder if you are a dreamer at all. I have a friend and she tells me she never dreams. Bit of a loss, I think. Although not all dreams are good, as we know. I wonder if you had any good dreams last night. My son hates it whenever I tell him at breakfast about the really interesting dream I had last night. He says, Dad, I'm not even interested in my own dreams. So what makes you think I'll be interested in yours at 7.30 in the morning? So that's him out the will for a start. But psychologists and psychiatrists have long since recognized that the role of dreams in exploring the subconscious is a very important one to get us into the recesses of the mind. Freud and Hume famously traveled together to the United States, but they quarreled over Freud's insistence that they share over breakfast the content of their dreams from the previous night. Which was all very well, but Jung got thoroughly fed up of Freud insisting that all Jung's dreams were about sex. He should be so lucky. Most of mine are about my teeth falling out. (laughs) The definition of dreams goes something like this. Dreams are successions of images, ideas, emotions and sensations that occur involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. The content and purpose of dreams are not definitively understood, though they have been a topic of scientific speculation, interpretation, philosophical and religious interest throughout recorded history. Dreams are big stuff. So it shouldn't surprise us that you can't move in the Bible for dreams and dreamers. Like Jacob, of whom we read, alone out there in the wilderness, on the run, At his wit's end, tired and emotional in this desolated place, evening falls and he imagines ghosts and bogles behind every bush. There are strange sounds and shufflings in the night. He's keyed up, things are on his mind, dark, difficult thoughts, and he dreams his famous dream of the ladder stretching up into heaven, angels making their way up and down it. It seems to say to him, That somehow he will be important. His life and the life of his people will serve as a point of contact with the divine. If Jacob has other significant dreams, we don't hear about them. Only this pivotal one. On the other hand, Joseph of the Technicolor Dreamcoat fame, he seems to be a serial dreamer. For him it's all bowing sheaves of corn, fat cows and thin cows, stars in the heavens around the planets. And he has the fortunate gift of insight as to what those dreams mean. Though sadly not the tact to deal with his brothers and their jealous outrage at how he interprets his dreams. Because it's always about himself being at the centre of everything. It's not all about you Joseph they say. But apparently it is. Further down the story of Israel, we encounter Ezekiel, 
with his fantastical, surreal dreams. Wheels within wheels and perplexing heavenly beings leaving us wondering what on earth Ezekiel was on. Weird and wonderful visions, Lucy in the sky with diamonds territory. Visions that come from somewhere very deep and then are somehow woven into the fabric of reality. This wonderful dream of the the life of faith where you you go into a, a shallow river and then you go in deeper and then you go in deeper and then you go in deeper. That's what the life of faith calls us to do. This amazing dream of the the valley of dry bones clacking into life. The story of Jesus is full of dreams at the beginning. Angels appear to Joseph telling him not to cast out his fiancée, but to care for her and support her. And she comes to terms with this miracle that will define her destiny. And further dreams that lead him to take the family to Egypt and escape the wrath of Herod. Sons born, journeys made, cataclysmic events, the melange of stuff that dreams are made of. The boundaries blurred between reality and imagination. We read about the early church struggling with its identity. Would it be only for Jews? Or, as the little upstart Paul was saying... For everybody? For Gentiles? And Peter experiences his fabulous transforming dream in which the message is startlingly clear that the gospel is for all people. A sheet is lowered down from heaven and horror of horrors is instructed by God to eat unclean food and he says, no, I've never done that and I never will do. And God says, don't you call unclean what I call clean. And the dream supplants the tradition and practices of generations of Jews. Something deep in Peter's psyche realizes the truth that the reality and the purpose of the gospel is for all people, not just Jews. And that dream breaks down the barriers, the cultural prejudices that would have proved so unhelpful. I remember going to the Greek island of Patmos and where John dreamed his strange dream we call the book of Revelation full of elements that fascinated and perplexed the church great battles at the end of time beasts and harlots and streets paved with gold and pearly gates and saints in white and the end of tears and the defeat of death and it was very moving to sit there in the little cave where John had written this book and think of the countless thousands of pamphlets and theses and tomes and tracts that have been written to try and unpack the mystery of the book of Revelation. The codes and the complexities and the frustrating mystery of that book of dreams. And certainly a bit of humility is in order before we get too definite about what this means or that. But there on Patmos, on that little cave, a man dreamed a dream that spanned the centuries. And there aren't many funerals that happen today in churches where the words of revelation are not used. And I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. And I saw the bride coming down of heaven. In our own life and times, we've come to value the role of dreamers, the contribution they make, those who dare to think outside of the box, beyond the limits of certainty, 
and take us to the very edges of new possibilities. Martin Luther King Jr., whose dreams seemed so unlikely and yet came to fruit. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Or Nelson Mandela, who espoused a a hope beyond belief, a searing vision that the terrible system that had imprisoned him for all those years would be dismantled one day in his lifetime, and a nation would share a new future. He said, I have a dream of an Africa which is at peace with itself. I dream of the realization of the unity of Africa, whereby its leaders combine in their efforts to solve the problems of this continent. I have a dream of our vast deserts, our forests, our great wilderness. Closer to home, in the European context, Men like Nobel laureate Lech Walesa dared to dream. He dreamt in these terms that my country will recapture its historic opportunity for a peaceful evolution and that Poland will prove to the world that even the most complex situations can be solved by a dialogue and not by force. Havel, the president of the Czech Republic after the Velvet Revolution. You may ask what kind of republic I dream of. Let me reply. I dream of a republic of free, democratic, independent people, economically prosperous, socially just, a humane republic that serves the individual. These political and social reformers were dreaming in the face of communist oppression that had been around for decades. What an impossible dream that it would be taken from their shoulders And what of our dreams for the church, for the people we live and work alongside and their relationship to the faith we follow and love? What's our vision when we think of all those lives all around us that are wounded and ravaged by the brutal effects of other people's neglect or actions, people who are hurting and whose life seems to have no purpose? People who are heading up the nowhere road, whose spirituality, so long neglected, lies dormant and undeveloped. People who are just lost. What is our vision, our dream as a church for them? The Bible warns that for lack of a vision, the people perish. For lack of a vision, the people perish. The essayist Nassim Taleb reminds us that decline starts with the replacement of dreams with memories. You know, when we spend more time remembering how good it used to be than dreaming of how it might one day be. That's when the problems bite. When we lose our motivation, our ambition to take the gospel to people and let it reshape their lives because we believe it can. If we allow complacency to set in so that our missionary zeal is damped down and urgency is lost, and we start to think, look, it's enough for us to be here, to do what we do and what we like doing, and somehow that will sort things out. 
and that will provide all that is needed for us to fulfill our calling. When our heart no longer aches for the lost and the broken ones, the hurting and the misled, and we forget that the good news is for all. Then we lose our identity as the dreaming, visionary church. So as we come to the table of the Lord, let's take time to think. What are our dreams for the church we love? The children, the young people, the families, and all those folk who drift and head up a cul-de-sac? And how committed are we to doing what needs to be done to make our dreams come true? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.